Welcome to the Beyond Jiu-Jitsu podcast. This is episode number 79. Today, we're talking about what's the difference between being a specialist versus all-rounder. What's up, Kieran? What's up, Adam? Adam Childs, Line Sydney. Black belt. Rumor says it. <laughs> Our artwork says it. Apparently, I'm a white belt. <laughs> yeah, I'm all for that artwork. Don't be changing nice. it. Yeah, we've, we've had... Uh, New developments on that front. Lots of comments have Not come in. Not lots, lots. Well, there's been a few and a few hefty weighted comments as well. Some death threats, some- Oh uh, yeah, someone said that- Arson it, threats. That's right. Someone said if the artwork changes the color of your belt, that they'll burn my gym down. Good luck. <laughs> <laughs> no, that particular individual would probably have the skill set to do it. So- um, yeah, let's let's not fuck with them. But we also have had some Patreons say that it must change. Fuck. Mate, they, they call the shots around here. Patreons are kings. Damn it. Just God saying. Just damn saying. It. Man, it feels so long since we were recording an episode. We, uh, we had a bit of a change around with our scheduling due to other things happening. So we had to kind of, you know, bring forward a bit of recording and then we had a gap of no recording. And then we had a, a scheduling issue, which was, Oh, like yeah, so frustrating. Yeah, super frustrating because the pod, the the podcast listeners on YouTube would have no idea what we're talking about because YouTube ran like a dream. However, Spotify, we have mm. missed a week of uploads because of a problem with upload and scheduling, and yeah. just it, you know, it just for lack of a better term, desynced or whatever, mm-hmm. and we had a, a mess up. And yeah, people were like, oh, you know, it's just like radio silence. You guys have been so consistent. And it was so frustrating because we have been. It's like yeah. every single week since yeah. we started the podcast, we haven't missed a week, like even through Christmas. Technically, and we didn't miss that week. We just uploaded two in one day on the Saturday. So <laughs> yeah. we got in on the week, bro. We yeah. got into a week. <laughs> so technically, we can, we can maintain our record of we have uploaded consistently two episodes a week since the inception of this podcast right. and we have so not we, failed. We save some face. We save a lot of face. We save all the faces. They're out. Lucky, lucky. So today's topic came about as I was thinking about my own jujitsu game and I was getting concerned. I, I had that moment of blue belt fear. I don't know why it's blue belt. Sh- should I quit? <laughs> <laughs> have I peaked? <laughs> uh, yeah. Can so, I open my own gym? Yeah, definitely, definitely. Uh, d- yeah. Yeah, right next door. <laughs> Should I book some seminars? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sell out arenas. So I, I, <laughs> fuck, I was thinking about my own game, thinking about uh, the direction my jiu-jitsu is going, yada, yada, yada. And I started thinking, hang on a minute. Over the last like few months, I've been consistently hitting only a, sl- a very small group of moves. That group, you know, consists at the moment of all, all styles of pressure passing, specifically over under taking the back and my two submissions that I've just been almost exclusively hitting is a bow and arrow choke from the back and a rear naked choke in no gi. Obviously, you know, time, you know, I do leg and take, I do all sorts of stuff in between like here and there, but consistently those are like the only subs that I'm hitting and the only moves that I'm hitting. And I started to get that fear of, hang on a minute, am I pigeonholing my jujitsu? Is this going to be bad for me in the long run? So I wanted selfishly to bring this topic up. Yeah, it's a pretty good question. Um, Thank you. (laughs) And, you know, for me, there's no right answer. The the correct answer is, it depends. (laughs) I mean, what do you want out of your jujitsu? 
Not a lot. Not a lot. Then yeah. just keep at it, bro. You'll get yeah, there. That's sick. Thanks, man. You'll get there. That stripe, it's coming. <laughs> Give it another six, 12 months. Uh, you know, being an all-rounder is, yeah, well, think about it. Like ask yourself, what do you want out of out of your jiu-jitsu? Mm. For me, I, I can, to, to put it into terms that people who maybe don't train, which – I mean, is not no one listening yeah. to this podcast. Who <laughs> the fuck's listening to episode yeah. 79? <laughs> Who doesn't train jiu-jitsu? <laughs> but at least the, you know, to give an analogy. Excellent. For me, jiu-jitsu and the different positions and techniques, it's kind of similar to playing a, a, a video game in the sense that if I were playing, I don't know, Street Fighter or something, I get bored of playing the one character. You know how you like mm. for anyone who grew up playing video games, mm. maybe you'd be playing your your siblings or friends in Street Fighter and they pick the same character every single time. They never waver from that one character and they get incredibly good at that one character. But then if they were to if you were going to say, "Okay, well now you've got a random, mm. right?" and they randomly land on a character that's not that one, they're dog shit. Mm. So, I mean, that is that's all well and good because if you went, let's say if it's a street fighter competition and you're allowed to pick your character, like what's it matter? You're always going to be the character you want to be, mm. you know, like when you go fight, when you go compete, you're always going to be able, well, I, you know, the, you're going to always be trying to implement your game, the mm. thing that you're a specialist at, but what do you want out of your jujitsu? So the reason I use that analogy is because for me, I get bored. Like I get bored playing the one character over and over. Right. So I always, I, I, you know, I still play video games now and I'll play nerd. whatever the yeah, nerd, <laughs> what, whatever game I'm playing, I'll play one particular, particular character or person or role in that game. And then I get bored and I'll change to a different, you know, character or whatever. And my jujitsu is the same. So I'll go through periods of enjoying like the, uh, you know, I train cause it's fun. And if, if you're, if you think about it from a hobbyist point of view, if pigeonholing yourself and doing these one techniques is still incredibly enjoyable for you, then it's not really an issue, right? Cause you're just a hobbyist. You're going to do the things that are fun and the things that work, right? It's not fake Aikido Kung Fu stuff. Like it still needs to be legitimate techniques. I don't mean do what's fun, but like, you know, bro, you can't just back roll off the mats, like, you know, where, where, out you, the door, yeah, into where, the car. Yeah, where, where are you going? <laughs> so f- from that point of view, I would say, you know, don't pigeonhole yourself or do whatever's fun, right? If you're a hobbyist and the techniques are credible, whatever you have the most fun doing. And I, I go through phases of it being super fun, like, you know, footlocking people and, mm. you know, adjusting those details. And then I get bored of, playing guard and I, you know, enjoy pressure passing. Then I get bored of pressure passing and I start enjoying having more dynamic, quick side to side, Leandro low passing. And so I'm going to do what's fun for me. However, if I'm, if I'm competing, then I intentionally pigeonhole myself for what is my competition game. If what you want out of your jujitsu is to, to, be incredibly successful on the competition scene, my opinion is to embrace the pigeonhole, 
You know, a lot of those high level guys, uh, jujitsu is way too dynamic for you to be good at everything. There's no way. There is no way. There's too much going on in jujitsu, right? Like there are, there are blue belts out there in the world that are better at and know way more about crab right and bearing bolos than, you know, a lot of black belt world champions know because that particular black belt world champion, sure, could probably do one and whatnot, but, you know, they're not specialized in it. Every single, like I'm, I'm trying to think now of try, try recall a black belt world champion that you could go, oh, yeah, they're like good at everything. I mean, mm. if you, for the sake of this argument, you could kind of just push to the side a moment, Gordon Ryan, I was, just, I was thinking just that, because I of the same. fact that he's, he's not even the 1%. He's like the 0.0001%. He's the sort of dude who yeah. makes everyone look shit. Yeah, he's you know, good at but, pretty much everything. So, <laughs> so if you kind of just ignore him for a second, yeah. like, look, you know, even some of the greatest of all time, like, you know, Hodger, mm. You know, what? it wasn't like he was good at everything. He was very good at what he did. You look at Musumeshi, Mikey Musumeshi, mm. you know, he's very good at, like none of them are good at everything. Marcelo Garcia, like they're all known for something, right? Marcelo Garcia, X-Guard, Butterfly Guard, you know, like taking the back, you know, Musumeshi, Crab Ride, Bolos, mm. you know, Bernardo Faria, Deep Half Guard, Over Under Passes, like everyone is specialized at something. And I think I've mentioned this before that, you know, those – the people who go that route, I don't even think they necessarily consciously do it either. Maybe some of them do, but I would believe that some of them just have that kind of obsessive compulsive behavior about them that it's not even a matter of whether it's um, fun or not or whether they're intentionally specializing or not. They're probably just like addicted to that one aspect of jujitsu and they just, you know, it's all they can focus on. It's all they can think about. And as a result, man, they get crazy good at that. And more importantly, get crazy good at keeping the fight in that area, in that area, yeah. in that position. You know, you look back at some of Bernardo's old fights, you know, when is it ever not like half, like all his fights are pretty much either half guard him on bottom half guard him on top. And if it's not one of those two positions, it's very close to, you know, a, a submission happening mm. pretty much. Right. You know, mm. like once he gets the pass, like the sweep and then the pass, it's not long after that, there's, there's like a submission or something, you know? Um, so I think there's definitely a lot of value in pigeonholing, but I, I would argue if you're having to ask the question, you probably don't have that behavior about yourself where you would happily do bolos for the next decade, mm. you know, and I'm not going to mention any names, but I've trained with people who in a particular area of jujitsu, man, like, and this was when me and the, the people were colored belts in a particular area of jujitsu, right. They would, man, they would be, better than black belts, right? They would demolish you. But then in another area of jiu-jitsu, it was, you know, they'd be wearing a purple belt and you'd think, man, like white belts are better than you in this position. But then when it goes to compete, you never get to said position with them, right? Because mm. it's always kept in that black belt area for them. Mm. 
Does that make sense? Like I know it's it a does. bit sort of a bit of a messy. Uh, it was probably not the the clearest, most concise way mm. to explain it. But you think- know, the, 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 another important question, I guess, is for anyone who wanted to be an instructor or do some type of teaching, well, then you you have to forcibly make yeah. yourself a bit of an all-rounder. Sure, there are plenty of successful instructors who have gotten away with all they teach is their own game and what they're specialised at. I think that's a bit short-sighted and, you know, then that's essential. like you let's do something like bolos that are a bit more – I don't want to say like physically demanding, but if, you know, if if bolos is all you know, therefore it's all you can teach. You're kind of essentially saying that, oh, if you're a new white belt and you're 120 kilos overweight, you can't invert. Like you're essentially not welcome here. You're not. <laughs> I can't help you. <laughs> or if you're maybe someone who's fit and whatever, but you've had a herniated disc before, and you know you don't really want to do that sort of part of jujitsu you're essentially saying well i've got i have nothing for you i can't offer you anything so anyone who wants to be an instructor you know i you definitely have to broaden your horizons a little bit yeah that makes sense i think that the reason that it's been on my mind is i heard in the early days when i was a like a pretty fresh white belt i don't know i was just consuming some content somewhere i read a book i don't know where i got it from but it was saying uh what you should be sort of uh, doing or focusing on in terms of your game at each belt. And when something like this, that, you know, white belt, you're just learning defense, you're learning to survive because you're a white belt, you know, toward the end of the white belt time, you, you may get some pretty savage attacks. Um, but, you know, all in all, white belt is learning the basics, learning the fundamental positions. And this is something that you've said before as well. By the time you get to blue belt, you're, you should have a base understanding of each position, should have, you know, a couple of defenses, a couple of attacks in all positions, have a very good understanding of like, you know, the point system and all, all that sort of stuff. Like you, you've been around, you should understand jujitsu in its entirety broadly, very, very broadly, right? By the time you get to purple belt, that's when you will discover your game. Like blue belt is like the feeling out stage. You try lots of things and then you get to purple belt at that point it's okay to specialize or like to find a, an area of jujitsu that you really like gel with and you want to like pursue it and look to specialize then, you know? Yeah. Cause I think we, we had mentioned briefly that for the majority of people at blue belt, you, it's very likely you haven't experienced enough jujitsu to make an educated decision about what you want to specialize in. Mm. But that's a very broad statement for, you know, it, Everyone's different, and for sure, there'd be some blue belts who have seen enough jujitsu or consumed enough jujitsu to already know, or you know, maybe they're just already super in tune with their own body and know that like what works well for them mm. and whatnot. So it's not like you can't kind of make that decision at blue belt, but even if you do pigeonhole, right? Like, let's say you go. Okay, well, I'm just going to get crazy good at the, at these uh, these particular techniques. I'm going to go the what what is it that Bruce Lee would say? I, I oh the thousand kicks. Yeah, I fear versus, the, I don't yeah. fear the man who trains a thousand kicks. I fear the man who trains like one, one kick, kick a thousand times. Yeah. So you know, if you embrace that, hopefully in your training anyway, it's still dynamic enough that you will, to some degree become quite well-rounded you're gonna 
still have specific training where, you know, you, you having to be, I don't know, side control on the bottom, or you're going to have specific training where it's half guard mm. and half guard isn't part of your pigeonhole game, but you're still going to have times where you end up there, mm. you know, and in training, you're going to then find ways where some person might, you know how people always ask that question like, oh, you know, what do I do here? And I might be able to answer it with, oh, okay, like you're going to switch to this and this and do a leg drag, right? But maybe in your head you're thinking, no, but I like my over-under pressure passing. You might find an answer to that question where, no, I'm going to do this and this to get back yeah. to being able to do my pressure that's pass. That's what's been happening a lot. Like every position I'm in when I'm passing, I just see the over-under. And I'm just thinking, and that's sort of what really spurred this this discussion that I've been having with myself and, and now this podcast is the fact that no matter where I am in that passing sequence, I always get to over under. And I'm like, fuck, hang on a minute. Is this pigeonholing? And that's sort of, I, I get exactly what you're saying. I'm seeing it everywhere now. And I think that just means that I've spent a lot of time in that position and I've spent a lot of time trying to get to that position. So I'm starting to develop that whole, like keep the, the, the fight in my game, maybe. I think you just need to to market it differently to yourself. Okay. So what I mean by that is I had someone ask a good question yesterday. I had kind of like a private class and they were asking about body lock passing. Nice. And favorite. Yeah, and they just had a very generic question like, "Oh, you know, I just struggle to do it as a whole." It wasn't okay. like, "Oh, I'm here and this happens." It was just as a whole like, "I'm not quite getting it." And my answer to the question was you need to change the way you think about, you know, a, a body lock or a body lock pass in that it, you only need that tool to serve you as long as, as long as it serves a purpose. So what I mean by that is you watch a lot of body lock instructionals or techniques or whatever and it will start with a body lock, but then the body lock might get you to side control or the body lock might just serve the purpose to get you to half guard and get a cross face. Yep. You know, another example is you look at a lot of, of Gordon Ryan's, not techniques, but you'll see something that the, the, the tagline is heel hook from half guard or something, right? And it starts in half guard, but you look at the whole sequence and, he, and he'll go, Half guard to butterfly guard, elevate them yep. to X guard yep. into the saddle heel hook. Yep. You're like, well, it's not really a heel hook from half guard. It's a heel is hook it? from saddle. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know. So you could you could just market it differently to yourself. You could essentially say like, you know, oh, you know, guard pass from spider guard. But you but you know, the whole sequence got you from spider guard to over, to over under. under every time. Yeah. And like, yeah. and you know, uh. Whether whether you could argue that then is a spider guard pass or, you know, can you – whether you argue it is a heel hook from 50-50 uh, from half guard or not, it doesn't really matter, right? Like it's semantics. Yes. But, but, you, but you get the point I'm making. I do, You know, yeah. and a lot of – so for me, Fuck. like I, I like body lock passing, but do I like body lock passing as in as a means 
as in I don't let go of my body lock until I'm past their guard. No, no. not for me. That doesn't really you work very stop well. Stop at half guard, right? But yeah, like yeah, if, if my body lock serves a purpose to not get caught in a leg entanglement, yeah, and I can get to half guard, I'm like, man, I'm very happy with a cross face, yep. uh, shoulder pressure, half guard, and work from there. Yeah, you know, uh, and man, that's so interesting. Even even like even you look at Craig, who's Craig Jones, Craig Jones known yeah. for Z guard, right? And like, yeah, he will finish people from Z guard, but it's more about that Z guard allows him to get into 50-50 or the saddle or whatever leg entanglement position it is. And yeah, a lot of the time his Z guard entry will land him in the saddle with him already on the heel. We're talking about one of the best leg lockers in the world. But, you know, anyone who's trained some legs will tell you that it's not as simple as, oh, once you get to the saddle, it's done and dusted, like you've got the heel. No, right? There's still a lot of fighting that can happen to dig the heel. So, you know, he's incredibly talented in the saddle as a position as a whole, but like, you know, he uses Z-guard to get there. It's not, you know, so- Totally get what you're saying. And I think what resonates really well with me is (laughs) ironically, the body lock example you used, I- was learning body lock or I still am obviously, but I was focusing in on body lock like a month ago. I think it was like last month's like goal or sorry, the month before I think it was uh, February's goal of mine was to learn body lock. And I was getting frustrated with it because I was, it was very rare that I could go from body lock to side control. Like, like you said, with mm. holding onto that body lock grip and I would get in air quotes stuck in yeah. half guard. But I realized through the the months that, that's fine. Then I just swap to a half guard pass and it's perfectly fine. Yeah. So it, you know, you've got to look, I've got to, I've got to fill my analogy quota. So at least you need <laughs> at least one more, you know, there's, there's so many different tools and techniques and whatever in jujitsu and your ability to connect them is super important, but let me change the way you, you think about connecting them. What I mean is let's say there's, you know, whatever we're talking about a guard pass, okay. you know, zero is you being in their guard and a hundred is you've made it to side control or mount or whatever. Right. And let's say we've got two different passes. Let's call it like, a, you know, a over under and a stack pass. Okay. okay. So, and I've, I know, I know how to execute each technique from zero to a hundred. Okay. But it's not, I don't need to only be able to execute zero to hundred, I need to be able to execute an over under pass from zero to 40 and then be able to switch like to jump lanes, right? I need to be able to jump to then an, uh, an over under pass and, and not go, Oh, I'm, I've started my stack pass. I've got to 40. Now I'm switching to an over under and back to zero. I need to be so proficient enough that I can pick up an over under at 40 and start from there because then I might progress that to 60 and have to switch back to a stack pass, but but I need to pick it up at 60, not back at 40 where I, where I left it, you know? And the, the analogy I would think of is, I don't know if anyone has, I'm sure there'd be some people who have done this before where, I don't know, let's say you need to like screw a screw into a bit of wood or something, but you don't have a drill or whatever. And you get so it. Use your teeth. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> I don't know. I, I don't think I'm alone in this, but maybe I am. Maybe you're going to sit here yeah, and go, go bro, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. But um, when I was a kid and I grew up 
not on a farm, but let's just say a farm for lack of a better word. So, you know, lots of playing outdoors with random stuff. And, you know, you, you would get a nail and hammer the nail into the bit of wood to get you like a little bit of a hole in the wood first. So then you would take the nail out. So then you had a hole that the screw could get purchase on and then you could just screw it in, oh, okay. you know, opposed yeah. to trying to screw a screw into a completely flat. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Anyway, I don't know why that's where I thought, but it's kind of like, you know, the nail served its purpose. The body lock served its purpose for as long as I needed it. And then now I'm, now I'm on the screw right now. I'm in half guard and that's, uh, you know, that's a great analogy. Right. So now <laughs> yeah, it kind of makes sick. sense, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Like, oh, I want to screw into this bit of wood, but yeah. I can't just start with a screw. Yeah. Like I'm not getting any purchase. Fucking move around all over. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. So I'm going to hammer, use a nail to hammer a little hole. So mm. I've got, you know, that's my body lock that's serving its purpose. Mm. Think about it like this as well. Imagine I'm teaching a spider guard pass that is essentially like, okay, we're going to go here, here, you know, get the foot off the bicep and then it becomes a throw by. Yep. Would you sit there watching me teach that and would you go, that's not a spider guard pass, that's a throw by pass. Fuck no. Right? That's ridiculous. So how's yeah. that different to me doing, okay, here and now I'm going to pummel out of the lasso, yep. dive into over under. Yeah. Like, would you go, that's not a spider guard pass. All you did was go to over under. And it's like, yeah, but from spider guard, like it's a technique in itself. Yeah, to enter into a different position. Right. 100%. So it's funny that you're using spider guard because you know that I've been struggling with that lately. (laughs) And I've been literally YouTubing, fucking Googling, like researching spider guard passes and all of them, not all of them, but like they're not really doing it for me. This is to address a very specific training partner who's- you know, long leg. yeah, Eric. Fuck man. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck Eric. Um, but I think what you're saying is clicking in my mind. In, I need to go back to my spider guard entries into over under. Well, just watch a bunch of those spider guard passes mm. and you'll like, you, they have uh, it's the, the second half of the pass mm. to some degree is like the least important. Yeah. If you look at all spider guard passes, what's happening, you're essentially undoing the yes. control that they have. You're getting rid and of then, those grips. You know, mm. So depending how you undo it or what sort of spider guard they have or mm. whatever, man, you could do a spider guard pass that is like da 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 throw by, da 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 knee cut, da 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 over under, da 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 stack pass, da da leg drag. You know, you know, so how does it, whether your spider guard pass then has the last 10% of it being over under or your, okay, some are going to be a bit different. It's yeah, be yeah, hard for you to go like X guard to over under, but you know, like, <laughs> but you know, a butterfly guard pass that results in an over under. There's nothing wrong with that, you know, like a, yeah, yeah, because crazy. other yeah. people, that are incredibly good at the way they pass, you know, like let's look at, I don't know, like yeah, oh, Andre Galvao or something where a mm-hmm. lot of his passes will be some variation of like knee cut, smash pass, mm-hmm. um, stack pass, mm-hmm. you know? So like whatever guard you're ending up in, it's, it's going to take him to there. You know, yeah, same as-, as He's going to know like the journey or the road or the path, if you will. Look at me. Analogy. Is this an analogy? No, <laughs> no not really. They're just, they're just words. <laughs> they're <Gary>. words. <laughs> you idiot. But yeah, he's going to know the path of least resistance to his position. Yeah. And that's his goal. Yeah. And that's what I'm sort of like seeing. And I was, I suppose, instead of having the frame of mind of looking at it as a positive thing, looking at chaining different 
skill sets together, different passes together to achieve, you know, be my area of where I feel most comfortable, my area of specialty, if you will. I was looking at it like, oh, hang on, is this a bad thing? But obviously it depends, but no. But it's also also a kind of a a different learning process. So just to go back to the the theme of a specialist or an all-rounder or or pigeonholing, you know, by – like I said at the start, I get bored doing the one thing. It's not, you know, I, I don't really enjoy training like that. I like doing different things, but also think about it like this. If we were, if we were drawing up kind of like a mind map, right? And let's say, cause you said when you're on the back, it's either bow and arrow or rear naked choke. Every time. Right? Let's imagine we're talking about submissions from the back. Mm-hmm. Okay. And, we're drawing a, a, a mind map or little sort of uh, like like blockchains or whatever, you know. So yeah, I've, got, yeah. I've got like my rear naked choke here mm-hmm. and then I've got my bow and arrow. So next to it, they're like and, yeah, their and, own and, bubbles. And I've, yeah, their own little bubbles, yep. right? And I've got a line connecting them. Like yep. that's the connection. So you could think about it, the learning process like this. Let's say I could go, okay, rear naked choke, I've, and then I don't want to pigeonhole myself. So I'm going to learn a bow and arrow. I'm going to learn like a, a palm to palm rear naked choke. Yep, I'm yep. going to learn um, a triangle from the back. I'm going to learn a, you know, transition to, you know, uh, just a regular collar choke. And you might learn all the bubbles and then you have to go, okay, how do I connect them? Like you, you've learned the bubbles, but they didn't come with the line connecting them. Mm. Or you could like pigeonhole yourself and be like, okay, rear naked choke. And then by default, you're going to learn in the opposite direction because when the rear naked choke isn't working, you're going to have to start drawing a line to find what bubble it connects to. Yeah. So it's kind of like, do you want to learn the connection first or do you want to learn the, you know, the, the bubble first and then have to find the connection? Yeah, that's so funny. Like when you're saying, oh yeah, you have this this submission, you have palm to palm, you have like those are literally all the, the variations that I found from being in those two positions. Right. And it's so funny, like you you said um, yeah, so, palm so, to palm and then you were like, oh, the, the standing cross collar. I'm like, yes, that is exactly what I do when it doesn't work. So, yes, so that is exactly what, so like what, the so, so, you know, just in that discussion alone, you're now having this moment of realization where you think you're pigeonholing yourself <laughs> with that rear naked choke. And it might feel like that because you've gotten very proficient at it. Yeah. But when you stop and think about it, you've also already made all these lines that have connected to other submissions. You just don't find yourself very often having to, to go down that journey, you know, because there's a lot of positions where, you know, I go, Oh, okay, we're going to try this. You know, if he taps, awesome, like game over, I win the fight. Mm-hmm. But a lot of the time they won't or they'll do this and then we do this. You know, that's part of the, the chess game or the the sequencing of jujitsu and the combinations and all that. But you've become very proficient at that rear naked choke because it's when you get on the back, that's like, uh, you know, step one, rear naked choke. Yep. You know? and, if, <laughs> and, if, and if step yeah. one works, okay, well, I, don't, I didn't need step two. Yeah. But then- you know, you do have a step two and a step three. So you've learned it in that way, opposed to going like, you know, oh, you know, I haven't really got very good at step one yet, but I'm going to learn step two and then I'll figure out how, how to connect the, the two yeah. later. Yeah. Yeah, that makes Which perfect sense. is another way you can learn as well, right? Like it's, I'm not saying. 
there's there's anything wrong with that as well. A lot of mm. people learn in, in that manner. But in that regard, I think <laughs> kind of what I said a, a bit before, you've got to market it different to yourself. You're, you're not really pigeonholing yourself. Mm. Pigeonhole, when I think pigeonhole, I think in a in negative Me connotation. Too. And yeah. I imagine someone who just, you know, <laughs> refuses to do anything else. You know, like those people that they play guard and then when they would uh, they sweep you, but then they just sit back down, back to guard. It's like, bro, like you're ignoring so like there's <laughs> it keeps going, you know. So people who want to be guard players, that's all well and good. But look at a lot of the best guard players in the world. They're still really good passers because a lot of the time when you're against someone your level, the sweep doesn't always land you on someone's back or on mount or what well, wouldn't be a sweep if it went to the back, but doesn't always land you like in a submission straight away, or you don't always, you're not always able to submit someone from your guard. A lot of the time you sweep someone and you end up in their guard. So you best know how to pass as well. Mm. Right. So, you know, when I think pigeonholing, I think someone who no matter what they just, you know, Oh, they want to play guard. You pass them. And then they just go like starfish and give up because they just want to get tapped and go back to guard and do the same thing. It's like, that's all. I mean, that's what specific training is for. Yeah. That's like, we do specific training so we can simulate a fight in a specific position. Specific training is when it ends, when I pass, you know, if we were doing a guard pass specific, but if we're just doing regular roles, but don't fucking give up because I pass your guard, like yeah. just because you want to keep playing guard. I'm trying to You're think ruining of, my training as well. We by did doing talk that. about these people in um, the annoying, annoying training. People. Yeah, annoying training partners. I'm trying to have a look through my notes and see what episode it is, but you'll find it. But man, fuck those people. If you if you're listening to this and you give up when someone passes your guard because you're a guard player, fuck you, man. Yeah, you I'm suck. To you. you suck. I hate yeah. you. No, Keep, yeah. I don't hate you, but you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because it's, right. <laughs> it's not over then, right? Yeah, like fuck the fight's that. still it's it's still going, man. Like fight back, get back to your guard. Don't be a bitch. Yeah, man, this is this I've, has actually been a genuinely. This, this has been very eye opening. I feel I feel like I could have, you know, I I tripped on a, on a lot of my own explanations. It could have been a bit. <laughs> I could have structured it a little better the way I I explained it. But does that change the way oh, you think about 100%. specialist versus all rounder? Yeah, 100%. I like the idea yeah. of being an. All, I think of myself as an all rounder, but at the same time. I'm not someone who who went and won worlds or anything. Mm. Whereas if I were, I probably would be more of a specialist. Perhaps I'd be forced to be more of a specialist. Mm. You know, I don't know. Who knows? We'll never know. We'll never know. <laughs> Maybe I'm just shit. <laughs> right? But you know, but that's also what I enjoy in jujitsu is yeah. the all being an all rounder and being an instructor. Mm. You know, uh, one of the things that that Fabio always said was how important that was as an instructor. And the perfect example is, you know, he, he would always say, man, I don't play spider guard. I'm not a spider guard player, but I can teach spider guard. And I was able to teach enough spider guard that then Michael Lange went off to become the best spider guard player in the world. Exactly. You know, but I gave him those, those tools, you know, he knows way more spider guard than I do. Probably by the time he was a purple belt, brown belt, he knew more spider guard than I, than I do did. But you know, I had enough to, you know, you don't you don't want to be an instructor and have someone 
come ask you, okay, like I had, who was it? I had someone ask a question a while ago. Can't remember, but I essentially said, oh man, I'm, you know, I'm not a hundred percent sure. Like I'm not super knowledgeable in that area. This is what I would do, but hey, go ask so-and-so. They know more than me. And Fabio's done the same thing. I remember a while ago, I, I had asked Fabio some details about loop chokes, right? And, and he straight away, straight away was like, oh, ask Fabinho. He, he like, he's way better than me at loop chokes. You know, so like he, awesome. he essentially like passed me off onto another one of his students who's also a black belt. Mm. But he was like, man, ask Fabinho. He knows, you know, it's also Fabio re- realizing it'd be different if I was a white belt asking that question to Fabio, he probably would have answered it. But because that was me as a black belt, asking Fabio and, you know, I'm at a, at a level where he's probably realizing that I'm after more specific absolutely information about the loop choke that is past his knowledge of it, or maybe not his knowledge, but it, it, there was at least someone nearby that he's like, this person can help you more than I can. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. If and- it was, if it was a white belt, Asking Fabio for loop, a loop choke. choke and he didn't. How do I do a loop choke? What you need to do is go to this guy. Yeah. That, that, would, that would be a bit funny. You know, you'd be like, oh, hang on a minute. Does Fabio know how to do? Yeah. But it's, yeah, clearly not that. I yeah. think that's an important uh, distinction there. So, yeah. So uh, does that make you feel like you're on the right track? Oh, yeah, on the wrong? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah man, it makes me feel like a lot more. I, I didn't. And man, I think as yeah. well, like we've spoken in episodes as well about injury and training through injuries and things mm. like that, man, there'll be periods of time where, I don't know, you'll have a sore something and I don't know, over underpasses won't, they're kind of bothering that. I don't know, you've had a bad neck or something and, you know, you'll go through periods of time where you don't want to pass like that because it's really uncomfortable or it hurts and you're going to be forced to un or go down a different specialization, if you will. Yeah, Yeah. through necessity. Well, one of our training partners, um, Purple Belt, Ollie, he changed his entire game because of an injury. He used to be a very much a spider guard, you know, that uh, worm guard, like lapels, you know, working in that space. Then he's uh, a hip injury that he had, like was flaring up and he had to force to like top pressure game. And now he's become very fucking good. Top pressure and like deep half guard. Yeah, deep half, over over under. are a little bit more like uh, less external and internal rotation on yep. his hips, exactly, right? Exactly, And now yeah. he's gotten very, very oh, good at beast. those two he's things. He's a beast like, in le- those positions. Leveled up massively. Like, fuck me. If, you know? if he gets you there, he's going to pass. Yeah. So that's also another thing. Like, you know, you're. it's never too late to change yeah. your specialization anyway. Um, Marcelo Garcia, you know, ADCC Hall of Famer, you know, like greatest of still has like that GOAT title. Mm. Man, he uh he didn't even train no gi till he was a brown belt. It's crazy, you know. It's fucking like, crazy, man. Yeah. So it's it's never too late, Karen. You, uh, you know? I can start training no gi. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Speaking speaking of no gi, for any of the my students listening, I've written out the new timetable. We're having a, a timetable change at the gym. Oh yeah, at the same time as the website changes. Tell me, there's more six thirty no gis. Well, yeah, it's essentially now it's a hundred percent. 50-50, there is like equally, I can't remember, but if, if there's 20 classes, 10 of them are gi, 10 of them are no gi, right? It's 100% Excellent. 50-50, whereas previously it was a little bit more gi. Yeah. When we first opened, it was much more gi. It was very similar to how my my classes were in, in Brazil. 
And then I changed to a little bit more no gi and now it's just completely 50-50. And in 12 and, months yeah, time. Yeah, in 12 months time, it'll be 60% no gi. And then, and then every 70%, year it's 10 more percent to wear, wear a no gi gym. Yeah. I do like, it's much easier to wash rash guards than yeah. gis. That's why this decision was made. Uh, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> I'm running out of gis. Uh, and my soap sud bill off the, <laughs> off the hook. Uh, so what are you going to add? Like now that you've changed the way, you know, mm. Now that I've changed the way yes, you think about it, definitely. How you know? Does, is it going to change anything, or is it yeah, just kind of make you go, "Oh yeah, sweet, I'm just going to lean into it"? No, it has changed some things. In in the the biggest thing initially was how I address solving problems. Instead of looking at a problem, the the problem specifically I'm thinking of is passing Eric's fucking spider guard. Instead of looking at that and and you know researching like all I just of these, can't even hear his name without yeah being cringing. Like- <laughs> we have I'll to just, get him on the show. Uh, yeah. we, we really do. I just again, uh, long time listeners will be aware, but anyone who's a bit newer, just a bit of context. The reason we hate Eric is because Eric is good. a white belt and he's very good <laughs> he's and fucking good. Like I mean, me Eric's my size, pretty much my weight, and probably a bit lighter than me because he's leaner than I am. But so anyway, funny. long yeah. long story short. I'm a black belt. Eric and I are the same size. He's a white belt. So I have no excuse. There's no, oh, I'm 50 kilos and he's 120. No, we're more or less the same height, same weight, same build. Only difference between us is a black belt and a white belt. And it still takes me like five minutes to pass his guard. Yeah. JT, you know, James, who we've had on the podcast, um, he was our first guest actually. Another black belt. Another black belt, James from Bulletproof for BJJ. Man, I remember him getting the shits like – at how hard it is to pass Eric. Like he's just, so that's why when we hear his name, he's like, the, ah. he's the nicest dude. I love rolling with him uh, now. Yeah, like, I love oh. Eric so much. He's such a dude, but like you, whenever you see him rocking up to the gym, he's like, fuck. And I'd shot myself in the foot. Cause I had said to him, I, I said, cause Eric and I had like two roles in the one class or something. And the first role was awesome. Then the second role, he just fell apart Yeah, because it's not like he has a bad gas tank, yeah. but when gas becomes a factor, yeah. he falls apart. Yeah. And I said to him, I was like, Eric, man I said from now on, when, when we're training, I said, first or second role, like when you're fresh, I want us to go together. I said, because a, that's the, when we have our best roles, but it's also when I can, I can help you the most. Mm. I said, like, I can't help you a lot when, you know, when you're just pretty much falling apart because you're tired. Mm. I can't help you because you're just, you're gassed. But when you're fresh and our roles are hard, like then I can, then I can help you because then, you know, when I pass you or sweep you or submit you, it's either because of something I did or a mistake you made. not gas tank. Right. Yeah. But when you're gassed, it's like, man, why you didn't even try there, Eric, Mm. you know, like I can't really do much with that. Yeah. And he was like, yeah, okay, blah, blah, blah. And then like a week later he like walked in and I was like, fuck. I was like, what? I was like, why did I say that? And I was like, right. And then like, right. When I was like, all right, guys, grab a partner. Eric was like, Eric was just had that look Look on his face. He's like, like, I remember that conversation. (laughs) I was like, God (laughs) damn it, Eric. Love you. Fuck. So I think um, the, the point was I was trying to make in terms of addressing his spider guard, I was fucking researching, looking at instructionals, looking at YouTube videos, figuring out how I'm going to pass his spider guard, like how to shut it down because it's fucking pissing me off, right? And I've been looking at a lot of just, gen- not generic, but just standard, like like what you mentioned before, like spider guard pass to Toriando, spider guard pass to this, to that. I'm going to change my frame of reference and go back to, no, let's look at a spider guard pass 
entry into my over-under. Yeah. Because if I can get him into my position, I can pass him. Yeah. I just need to get him there. And that, yeah. that's that's the problem I need. I need to reframe the problem to not passing his spider guard is to enter into over-under from spider guard. That's it. Yeah. Simplify it. Yeah. And again, just change the way you market it to yourself. I like you, that. You know, uh, let's imagine we've got a body lock pass mm. and then we've got the traditional cartwheel guard pass. Right. Right. So then let's imagine we do a pass where I'm in, whether I'm on in both of your butterfly hooks or just one of them or whatever, and I've got a body lock and then I put my forehead on the mat and do that big sort of like cartwheel thing that wrestlers do or whatever to, to get past your hooks. Is that a body lock pass or a cartwheel pass? Fuck, it doesn't fucking matter, yeah. does it? I could teach that <laughs> yeah. as a cartwheel guard pass matter. or I could teach it as a body lock pass and no one would bat an eye. Mm. Right. Yeah. So 100%. anyway, it's just a different way to think about it. I like it. You I'm know, like change my marketing. Like I said, pigeonhole. I think the negative term is in someone who, like, they just refuse to participate mm. when it goes outside of that pigeonhole. And then it's like, man, like you've been a shit training partner. You're not helping me. You're not helping yourself mm. because even when, you know, like you still need to be able. We got one guy who had a bad habit of doing that. And I said to him, bro, like when you get past, like you're still in the fight, man. Like part of your skill set needs to be your ability to like then get back to guard. Like, you you know, if you want to, you don't just get to tap and go back there. Mm. You know, you have to earn it, you know. And if you're not willing to earn it, then you shouldn't have got your guard pass in the first place. Mm-hmm. You know? Totally agree. Anyway. No, that was so awesome. um, That's like, I, I'm really glad that I uh, selfishly, commandeered the episode because I think that will help a lot of people. You said the Patreons run the show, but it's looking a lot like you right now. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Oh, my God. We've got, actually, I'm going to save it for next episode. There was something I wanted to bring Ooh, up. Stay like, tuned. Uh, I know what it is. And fuck uh, you. Fucking <laughs> bit of a rant. I'll, I'll, I want to go on. I'll leave it. I'll leave if it. you enjoy Adam's rants about random shit, oh, this one's more specific, then stay tuned for episode 80. Next episode is If you think Q&A. Adam's an idiot. And what are you doing here? Go away. I'm half, to I'm half the show. <laughs> 40%. Next episode is episode number 80. It's going to be a banger. We have heaps of uh, really good questions that we're going to answer on the show. If you want to submit your question, it's a bit late now. Uh, however, episode 90, we're already taking questions. We already have some in the bank for episode 90. Every 10 episodes, we do an Ask a Black Belt Q&A. We take our questions via audio format. You can submit a question. It's the first link in our link tree. It says submit a question to the show. Click that. You can do it from your phone. Super easy, super quick. Please submit us some questions because we want to hear your voices. Yep. It's like sending a WhatsApp audio message. Very yeah. basic. It's get like calling your mum. Yeah. <laughs> hi, mum. Hi, Dr. Nick. Oh, we're gonna get we're gonna get uh, audio questions now that start with hi mum. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and it's like actually my mum. I'm like, mum, what are you doing here? <laughs> <laughs> Until next time, guys.